0: Lots of mice and lots of men, just what I like in my books. Welcome everyone to another round of the Mere Mortals book reviews. My name is Kyron. You are the mere mortalites and these are for the people who want to transcend beyond their own mere mortality to learn a bit more about the world and all the exciting things that are in it. Today I have for you the book Of Mice and Men by John Steinbeck, as you might have guessed from my little intro there. It was first published in 1937 and it's a very short novella. It's about 100 pages. I think I read it in two hours and it's about migrant farm workers. So we follow Lenny and George who are Two characters sort of bonded together in a way and they have to find new work because Lenny is constantly getting in trouble. Lenny is a gentle giant, that very trope with the small caretaker. So, that does have that familiar aspect that you'll see in many other, you know, Disney movies and books and things like that. And essentially, they go to a new farm, they get some work there, Lenny ends up getting in trouble again, and it's set in Soledad, California, and Soledad in Spanish actually means loneliness, so it's a little a wink, a hint at what is to come from one of the themes in the book. And although it's pretty much focused on George and Lenny, there is another small crew in the book, so there's about four or five other characters, Candy, Slim, Curly, uh, Curly's wife, who helped Construct the story and are necessary, but what they feel, their interactions, emotions are are very much apart from what is really going on with George and Lenny, and in particular, George and the decisions he has to make. By now, you should know of the author John Steinbeck, because I have done two reviews of his book before, the first being Sweet Thursday, and then also the very famous uh, Grapes of Wrath. This was written early in his career and it was actually written before The Grapes of Wrath and is almost a lead up to it, a, a smaller condensed version of it in a way. So if you don't want to dive into the thickness that is The Grapes of Wrath, I think this gives a, a pretty good overview of the themes and how it feels without having to, to dive too deeply into that book. Onto the main themes of the book and the one that really jumps out at me is Cruel Mercy and this is Causing Pain to Prevent Greater Pain. So... I'm going to put it right here. Big spoiler alert. I'm going to say what happens in the book because it's so short. I need to explain it. And essentially Lenny is a, a big dumb brute, but he's a, a beautiful person. However, he is just this mass, this hulking mass of, of man. And he accidentally ends up killing Curly's wife. Whoops, breaks her neck, cling, just like that. And so he runs away. George and the rest of them start to look for him. But George realizes, A, they're either going to lynch him Um, Or cause him tremendous pain by locking him in a cage And he'd spend the rest of his life there Mistreated, maltreated, all of these sorts of things So he decides, okay, I'm going to prevent greater pain By acting merciful in a way By shooting him in the back of the head George is a a beautiful character himself He's very kind, he's loving, he's forgiving, he's benevolent He's all of these things But the act is still very cruel on both of them Because it's causing both of them pain Lenny obviously and then also George on onto himself because he has to live with this the rest of his life the cruelty aspect comes in because you have to wonder could this have been avoided was this preventable so we see with Candy and his dog a, a very similar analogy which is done purposefully in the book and Candy is an old man and he has this old dog who's lived with him for a tremendous amount of years and the dog is o- obviously suffering it's not in good shape it's limping it's you know barely alive in tremendous pain and the other characters point this out to him and say hey candy you really should kill that dog like it's it's not having a good life anymore it's suffering you're suffering with it but it's also due to you that it's still alive it's because your loneliness is is what is causing pain for this other thing and so it's it seems to just compound almost in a way it's it's as if you know if he could have thought earlier mm, maybe if i'd put nip this in the bud maybe if George had put Lenny into an institution a mental institution for example or if Candy had you know put down his dog earlier the mercy the cruelty aspect wouldn't have been required in this in this mercy that is the cruel mercy that comes from it later so were both of these preventable and foreseeable i mean that's up to the individual they have to make that decision themselves only us looking back from a further point of view can say hey yeah maybe you should have done that etc cetera, etc cetera. There is always a balance and so this is where the compassion comes in as well and you have to just say, man, look at all the terrible things that happen in the world and you actually have to almost get used to being cruel in a way uh, but merciful at the same time. If you're looking at triage, for example, so doctors deciding who gets to live and die, that's a, a cruel decision but it's merciful in a way. Uh, poverty aid for example you also have to say where are these resources best allocated uh, that person's already dying well i'll give it to the person who can improve in their life so this cruel mercy aspect of it is uh is really depressing and it's uh, i think a good learning from the book to take away and go mm, maybe i need to think more about this for myself as well and just to finish off this point a question for you Immortalites, was who was in the right george or candy so candy opts not to shoot his own dog uh, George opts to kill his dog Lenny in a way and so you have to ask the question you know which of these people ended up doing the right thing because well obviously George is going to be very haunted by the fact that he had to shoot his best friend in the back of the head. Candy didn't have that immediate experience of of having to pull the trigger himself but a little further down the line would you say who was more haunted by this decision? If I had to guess I would say that George was probably the one who even though he had to do the act himself can probably find some peace in that but maybe Candy would forever blame himself for for not being able to to do it himself because he owed it to his dog. That's a tough one. I would actually love to know if someone has experience with this sort of thing of having to make a really hard decision but almost putting the action of it onto another person. I would, I would like to know that. As we're talking about mercy, we'll jump onto the second theme and that is Dash Dreams. Life has no mercy. Life is brutal and harsh and short and cruel. <laughs> so we look at this and we see hope really can be a double-edged sword. So the characters have shit lives and they are definitely improved with the dream. So Curly's wife has these aspirations of, of being a famous actress, of being in the pictures, as she was saying in the book. We see crooks, candy. George and Lenny all have this dream of owning their own piece of land, of working the farm, of not needing to be told by other people of uh, what to do and to do all this hard work, do all the harvesting but not the harvesting for themselves that then become miserable. So they have, instead of a, a constant shitness level in a way, they have this little peak that comes up and then they're down in the miserable section right afterwards. The only one I would say to compare them with is maybe Slim who... Yeah, he might not have the best life available, but he seems to have a very even temperament. He just goes along, does his thing, and life is okay for him. These dashed dreams, these false hopes, are largely self-created as well. So maybe the initial impetus, the idea, will come from an external source. But it's the characters telling themselves, lying to themselves, I'm going to do this, this is going to happen, these things are going to work out. And lying and lying and lying until they start to believe it. And then it becomes the truth. It's not just a lie anymore. So not only is life cruel, but we help it along as well. One exception to this might be Lenny, who is probably too dumb, too ignorant to create this for himself, these dreams. And so we see George is continually telling him, we're going to create a farm. We're going to work the land. You're going to be able to have as many rabbits as you want, and you can pet all of them in these things. And you have to ask... Did George do good by this? Was this helping? And I would say on balance, it was necessary. He had to do it. Lenny was almost doomed without a external source pushing him forward, something to strive for, because otherwise, what else is he going to do? He's too unfortunately too ignorant to be able to really create things for himself and to do things for himself. And so he needs this drive, this hope to push him forward. A couple of observations and takeaways for me from this was the tone was tragic right from the start. God damn he nailed it in this book. It was created quickly and would just maintain throughout it. I felt from probably the tenth page onwards that, oh, I don't think this is gonna end well for for the main characters in this book, because it just had this this feeling tone in it that, oh, this is, this is not going to be nice. For such a short book, the characters were quite distinct as well, especially in their loneliness. So this was the other theme that I never really got to that was only hinted at. Each of them was lonely in their own peculiar way. So George was a farm worker who moved from place to place. He had no wife or child or other people. So this is why he needed Lenny to to be with him. Lenny was uh, imposed in his loneliness by his stupidity, by his low IQ. So this created a barrier there was Crooks, the, the black guy on the farm who in, these, in those days was very ostracized and who was you know being called a nigger, things like this. So he was being pushed into his own world. And then even Curly's wife, who was almost the saddest character in the book, who had no one to talk to because she was a woman, she was married, and so anytime she talked to any other guys, it was viewed as flirtatious, as having the eye, which is what they were saying. So she was trapped up in her own world of loneliness as well. My final observation, and this is quite a side note, was the title of Mice and Men. So there actually is at least one mice in the book and there is a bunch of men. So he nailed it on that point. But obviously it refers to the famous poem and poet uh, Robert Burns. And what I actually never knew was it's, actually says the best laid schemes of mice and men, not the best laid plans of mice and men. So a little learning from you there if you are ever saying that quote. To sum up, it's a useful prelude to John Steinbeck's masterpiece, The Grapes of Wrath. I felt he got deep into the heart of each character with minimal words. Short, sharp and stinging is a a good summary of the book. It probably will leave you a little bit depressed and it's not the nicest book to read about, but it is still very solid. So I'm giving it a six and a half out of 10 of Mice and Men by John Steinbeck. So me Modelites, we've come to the end of another book review and I really do want to thank you for joining me up until this point. If you'd like to hear more, you can hit follow or subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening on. And if you could go over to Apple and iTunes and leave five stars and a nice review, that really does help me out. To interact or connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at mere mortals podcast. And other than that, I hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are in the world, Kyron out.